So I don't know about you guys, but I'm, I was uh, deeply affected by that song. Um, isn't that, like, that's incredible. That's, that's really good news. Um, um, more and more as I prepare, um, kind of got the, uh, kind of a routine to prepare for a sermon and, and, uh, kind of the last bit of that is to wake up early on Sunday, begin to pray and come here early and begin to kind of walk through, think through and, uh, and, and pray. And the thing that for the last, I don't know, several months is that, um, I, I firmly and, and strongly believe that, that God wants to speak to you today. Um, and that's, I, I want to encourage you to, to come to church with the knowledge, and not just knowledge, but expectation, that, that the King of glory, the creator of the universe, wants to say something to you. And uh, I hope you're, you're shaken by that. Um, that idea, that concept, that the, the Lord of the universe has sovereignly brought you to this place because he wants to speak something. He wants to say, give you some truth um, to hold and understand. Um, let's, uh, let's pray and then we'll, we'll dive into to what, what God has prepared for us this morning. God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for this season of Advent and the Christmas season and the celebration of your birth. And uh, God, I think habits can, can form in our brains and even habits where we come to church around Christmas time can form in our brain, God. But I pray that you would, you would break through expectations that we might have, Father, and that we might just sit back and, and, and try to listen to what you've got to say to us, Father. <clears throat> I know that this season is busy for us, um, but I pray that you would still and slow our hearts for the next few minutes, God, that we might hear what you have to say to us. And, and God, I, at least I'm expecting that you have something very clear and very simple, um, but very profound to say to, to me this morning. And I, I pray that you would, um, you would do that in my heart and in the lives of, of those here this morning, God. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for Jesus. It's in his name that I pray. Amen. <clears throat> so uh, this, this morning and this, the, for the next four weeks, we're, we're thinking about this idea of, of enter in. And there's a, there's a front door that's here. Uh, and the kind of the idea is, is entering in. And I want to kind of draw our attention to, to this particular front door that's here. Um, I don't think we've ever had like a, a prop for a series before. This may be a first in the history of North Church. So you're, you're here on, on an historic day. Can you feel the weight of that? Thank you. Um, but uh, but I, I, want, I want this, this front door to, to speak I want it to be a metaphor for us, and I want it, I've, I've prayed that it would be a metaphor beyond even things that, that I've even thought about, and I've, I've spent a lot, like, like my whole brain is, is it's like predicated on, on metaphors all the time, 
and I've thought about this one a lot, but I think that maybe God will, will use it to speak some things to you that I haven't even thought of. If you, if you think of something that this is a metaphor that's speaking about, dude, I would be your best friend if you shared it with me. Um, but uh, this, uh, uh, this front door, by the way, this is, this is my old front door. Did you guys know that? Do you, you guys recognize it? Um, before, uh, before the tornado hit, this was my front door. So, uh, some of you might not know in 2011 on Good Friday, uh, I was actually standing right here preaching a Good Friday service when the tornado destroyed my house. Um, and that was the front door. And, um, many of you have walked through that very front door and into my living room. Um, and I think that that's, that's, that's a beautiful metaphor because now this, this front door is the representation of, of, of your heart, of your being, your spirit, and Jesus walking through that front door and into your living room. And, and with it, walk with Jesus, similar to walk, coming to a, a dinner party and bringing the host a, a bottle of wine or some other gift, Jesus walks through that front door and he brings to you gifts. This morning, we're going to talk about the gift of hope that Jesus has brought. But I want you to, to, to see this door, and, and I give you permission. I've, I've done this several times. I give you permission to, to, like, turn me off and start thinking about Jesus walking through this front door. But I want you to, I want you to know a few things about this door. Look at it closely, maybe even after the service, come up and, and like, look clo- like physically closely at it. Um, and see, there are, there are lots of imperfections on that door. There's actually some writing from my kids on the other side of the door. Um, and there are, um, I, I tried to clean it up, but, but it, I can't. There's some stains here from, like, I don't know if you've ever seen or witnessed a tornado, but the pressure that's involved when a tornado comes through is incredible. Like, so we had in our attic was um, blown-in insulation that was kind of dusty, because it was really old and kind of decayed and, and decomposed into just some dust, right? And we had closed cabinet doors where this dust had, like, gotten into a closed cabinet doors and, like, stacked plates, and on every plate is a layer of dust. That's the, the pressure that's involved in a tornado. And if you look at this door closely, like, somehow, some of those particles of dust are there. And I, I cleaned this door five or six times last week with Clorox wipes, and, and they're still there. So it's, like... I can't, I can't, I can't clean those, um, those stains. Metaphor alert. Um, and, but, and so this, and, and we've, we've decorated this door with this, this pretty star and, um, and there's, you know, paint chips and, and places where, uh, there's, I think that's like some drywall compound or something that's on the door. There's just, just a lot of imperfections on the door. Um, but Jesus wants to enter in, into your living room, and he, and he comes with a gift. And he comes with many gifts. And this morning we're going to talk about hope, and then next week we'll talk about peace, and then joy, and then love, and we'll talk about all those things. But there's a, an admit, an, an immeasurable number of gifts that Jesus brings through your front door and entering into your world. And, and I want us this season to, to just think through those things. Um, and also, this, this door um, has been 
So Good Friday 2011, and we moved back in uh, the first part of the year 2012. So it's been, what, several years since we've been back in our house. And from the moment we moved back in, we, we kept the store for sentimental reasons, and it's been in a, in a corner of our basement that we almost never go into. And, and it's kind of like pushed completely into the corner, kind of tucked around some, some ductwork in our basement. So it's really hidden. I haven't even thought of this door in, in more than a year. And I was, my desk is kind of in that corner where I study, and I was thinking through this, and I, and I saw that door. And, and I think that's a metaphor too, is sometimes we, we push aside the place where Christ entered into our lives, and it's in a hidden corner of our, of our lives, of our basements, that we don't frequent very often. And we, we kind of can, can push that idea beside that somehow Jesus has already entered into our worlds and, and okay, we're, we're done with that part. We ignore that part. But Jesus is constantly, from, from the oldest Christian to the youngest, Jesus is desiring and is always entering in to your world. Um, uh, so I, I want us to think of, of one last metaphor here. This door tells one last story, and hopefully it'll tell you stories as well as we go. Um, every Sunday that you come in here, this is what I would like for you to imagine, like you walk in here and say hello, and I hand you a bulletin and say Merry Christmas or good morning, welcome, and I, I see this, this door's going to be sitting right here, and I, I want you to imagine every morning Christ walking through that door and into your living room. Maybe even picture not this door, but your door. It's on your front door in, in, in your house. And imagine Jesus walking in and entering into your living room with all that he is. Um, but today we focus on hope. What is hope? Um, the Christmas story is, is the epitome of hope. And all throughout Scripture, the word hope is the Greek word elpis, which means joyful and confident expectation. Hope means joyful and confident expectation. And I don't, like, here, here's the, <clears throat> this is the, the danger for, for me as I'm presenting this to you, and this is the danger for you as you're, you're hearing this stuff from me. We can, we can slip into sermon mode right now. Let's not do that. Let's, let's, engage this idea that Jesus desires to give to you this gift of hope. And, and let's engage this idea that Jesus is entering into the front door of your heart, to your soul, your spirit, whatever you want to say there. Jesus is entering in with this, this desire to give to you as a possession, as a gift, this elpis hope, this joyful, confident expectation. A, a joyful and confident expectation. The nuance and range of this word is what, we, is what Dave and we all read together during the call to worship sign time. The, so the nuance and, and range. You know what I mean when I say range? Like it can mean this here. It can mean that there. It can mean this in this particular case. So all throughout scripture, this is the range of the word hope. This is the range of what Christ entered into your world to give to you. Hope endures, <clears throat> hope abounds, and abounds. Remember, I've, I've taught about that word, abounds. It's, it's always and always surrounding you, never not present in your world. When something abounds, 
A lot of times we talk about grace abounding or mercy abounding. But scripture, the range of hope in the, all of scripture is that hope abounds. That there's never a moment when you're not affected by hope. And, and again, I've said this many times. We have an enemy and his name is Satan. And his only weapon is to get you to believe something that's not true. So a weapon that Satan wants to use against you is to get you to believe that somehow there is a time when a joyful, confident expectation can leave you. But the truth is, and this is what we gather on Sunday mornings and we study our Bibles, is to remind ourselves of the truth. The truth is hope abounds. There's never a time, ever, 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 when hope doesn't abound to you. And this joyful, confident expectation doesn't abound to you. When life presses in, when shootings press in, when the world is nuts and crazy, hope abounds. And that's the truth. More range of this word. It remains. And it's not dependent upon the remaining of hope in your world Walking through your living room, that remaining of hope doesn't depend upon you. It doesn't move. It cannot fail. It doesn't shrink or lessen. Hope is yours. Hope surrounds. Think about the word surround. And understand that this joyful, confident expectation surrounds you. When you guys watch Charlie Brown this Christmas season, two people are shaking your head. Shame on both of you. <laughs> when, when you watch Charlie Brown this season, or when you watch Charlie Brown ever, all right, and you see Pigpen, why does Pigpen drawn, right? There's this cloud that's surrounding him. Hope is surrounding you like Pigpen. You're chuckling, but please let that, that, that arrow pierce your chuckle and understand the point that's being made when, when hope surrounds you. You can't get rid of it. You can't escape it. It's surrounding you. Joyful, confident expectation. And remember, what the, what's the enemy's job? Is to get you to believe that that's not the truth. How many have lived this week... Believing the lie that somehow hope, that this present situation is hopeless. Raise your hands. Like, all these, these shootings are driving me crazy. And maybe even crazier is the nonsense that people put on their social media stuff. Shut up! And, and this speaks to me, and it, even in this moment, it's speaking to me a lack of hope. Hope doesn't surround me in that moment. But that's not God's fault, that's mine. The hope that Jesus came to bring remains, it surrounds you all the time. It never wavers, it never lessens, it continues. In Romans 5, 5, it says, hope does not put us to shame. Think about that. It also says hope that that It says hope does not put us to shame. And that word shame is also translated as disappoint. Hope cannot disappoint you. Hope cannot disappoint you. Even in the middle of a 
a struggle or pressure or a difficult season. Hope, this joyful, confident expectation. Do you, like, we're not, this isn't our house. This isn't where we live. This isn't us. This isn't our home. Sin is allowed here. There's coming a time, a joyful, confident expectation. There's coming a time where it's done with. Tornadoes and imperfect doors are gone. Issues and gun control lobby is gone. We only experience the King of glory who has entered into our worlds. And we see it as a shadow or a glimpse now, but what is to come is beautiful and wonderful. And that's what God has prepared for you. That is, that is hope. So when life presses in, believe the truth of Romans 5.5. 5. It cannot put you to shame. You might feel like an idiot for a temporary moment, but it's a, it's a lie. Hope cannot, will not put you to shame. It will always come through every time. And this is what Jesus brought to you when he entered into your living room. And what we celebrate with Christmas trees and presents and bows and songs and hot cocoa. We distort it. We mess it up. Hebrews 6.19 says, We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. A hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor for the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. If you know your Old Testament history, that inner place behind the curtain is access to God. That's what that's communicating to you. We have this as a hope when storms happen, an anchor for your soul, an immovable thing to keep you grounded is hope. Joyful and confident expectation. It's yours. Now let's uh, look at at Luke chapter 1 for some specific Christmas stuff. This is um, an angel bringing hope to Mary. Just a couple of short verses. Luke chapter 1. Starting in verse 31. Pray that hope becomes real in these verses. Um, Actually, I'm going to go back to, to verse 30. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. <clears throat> um, by the way, parenthetically here, a great prayer for your heart. Ask God that you would, might find favor, he might find favor in you. All of this stuff that happens to Mary is because God found favor with, with her. God, would you show us favor? I prayed that many times this week. Would you show me, would you show North Church, would you show its people favor? Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Verse 31, and behold... And, and look, at, look at the tense of the verb to be here every time. 
And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Look at all those, those, those phrases. This is joyful, confident expectation that the angel brought to Mary. And this is joyful, confident expectation that the Spirit of God wants to bring to you here and now. When Christmas happened, this is what happened. Mary conceived. You will conceive. You shall call his name Jesus. He will be great. God will give him the throne. He will reign of his kingdom. There will be no end. This is the hope of Christmas. This is the hope that God is bringing to you. This is the joyful and confident expectation that's yours as a gift. You own it. You possess it. Like, know that, please. This is such powerful good news. This is your possession. It's owned by you. You will fill in the blank. Um, so I've, I've been kind of thinking through this idea. Is I think kind of the opposite of hope is to be anxious or maybe unsettled. Has anybody been unsettled about something lately. You know what I mean when I say unsettled, like I'm just a little bit worried or anxious or nervous or just don't know what's going to happen. We're unsettled. Like, again, this is one of the beautiful things about pastoring a church that's this size. I know a lot of the unsettledness in your hearts um, and in your worlds and in your lives. But the gift of hope, one of the gifts of hope, one of the things you can do with hope is it just, you're, it's, whatever you think is unsettled is, is really settled. Joyful, confident expectation. I want to read this to you. Think of the worry or stress that could have been given to Mary with her encounter with the angel. But she believed and hope was hers. When we lack hope, and our lack of hope is only because we're confused or we're believing a lie. Let me say that again. When you lack hope, it's only because you're confused or you believe a lie. Let me say that a third time so that everybody's paying attention. When you lack hope, it's only because you're confused or you're believing a lie. Are we confused at all on that? Great. I feel like I need to say it a fourth time. When you lack hope, it's only because you're confused or you believe a lie. So, when we lack hope because we're confused or being lied to, we're unsettled. But hope brings joyful, confident expectations so that you are settled. 
Like when you're when anxious, when anxiety or worry or stress or difficulty or hardship or wonder about the future is attacking you, confusing you, lying to you, here's the gift that Jesus wants to give to you. Hope. And the thing is, I, I, I kind of misspoke. Jesus doesn't want to give you hope because he already did. That's really good news. So s- surround yourself with people that remind you of the hope that you own, that abounds, that surrounds, that remains, that doesn't lessen, that doesn't shrink, that doesn't waver, that doesn't change at all. It's yours. This is the hope that the angel brought to Mary, and this is the hope that Jesus has walked in your front room and brought to you and given you as a gift. This is the hope of of Christmas. This is the hope of Jesus. But I want to turn the corner in the last few minutes. Um, So Jesus left heaven to come to this earth to knock on your front door and walk in your front door and give you the gift of hope. That's called a missionary. Jesus came to this earth as a missionary. I went to Haiti a few weeks ago as a missionary. My intent was to go and teach pastors about discipleship. I, that was the gift that I brought. I was a missionary bringing an understanding of discipleship. Jesus was a missionary to come to this earth to bring lots of gifts, and today we're talking about the gift of hope that he brought. Okay? Jesus is a missionary, and he gave you the gift of hope. Now, to turn the corner of all this talk about the hope that God has brought to you, the call for us, and the point of of, of this series, the second point of this series, is for us to realize that the call for you is to be Jesus in your world. Now, the call is you are a missionary with the gift of hope. So your job now is to think about what, how, why, when, where is God calling me to give hope? What front doors am I supposed to be knocking on to bring this message of hope? And this is like, you don't have to look too hard to find hopelessness here in this world, right? especially in this season. A great way to do this, affordable Christmas that we've got happening here. There is, I've, we've lined up, there's about 52 kids that we're gonna partner with a couple of other churches to serve and these families, I think it's 52, maybe 54 children that we're gonna serve this year. And every time I've gotten to speak to a mom, it's hopelessness was, was the tone from her. I have no chance, no shot I have no expectations, no delusions that I can provide anything resembling some happiness to my children this Christmas. It's hopeless. But we get to enter in as missionaries with the gift of hope and say, no, there, there is hope in this world. There is hope. So our challenge, my challenge to you, to take today, take right now, take response time, take this afternoon, take an hour before you're going to bed, take tomorrow at lunch. 
to ponder where Jesus is calling you to go and be hope in the middle of hopelessness. And it's like tailor-made for you, set up on a tee to smack out of the park at Christmas time. Because a lot of times, hope doesn't exist here. And people are, are acutely aware of their lack of hope. But they're confused or lied to. Hope is, hope is offered to them in full. So, the Christmas season is not just about warm and fuzzies, God entered into my heart with the gift of hope. But there, if you have given your life to Christ, part of that giving your life to Christ is the fact that you are now a missionary. You now play on the team. And playing on the team doesn't mean sitting there on the bench. It means God has given this to you with the intent that you would go give it to somebody else. Who is God calling you to bring and give hope to? Joyful, confident expectation that can't move or change. It's beautiful. This is the call for us. Let's pray and we'll think about, as, as we're praying, again, hold on, let's, let's not pray for a second. I got something else to say. Like this is our normal, this is what we do, Right? We sing, some guy talks for a bit, and then we pray, and we, like, a lot of times it's, it's now hit the cruise control, let's, you know, no cars in front of us, let's just cruise. Let's not do that. Because ultimately, what, what I just said to you is Jesus brought this incredible gift, and he gave it to you, and then he told you to go take that gift to somebody else. Let's, let's really engage with our God during response time. Do you know that we set up response time? We, we contemplate, envision, and have conversations about how can we create this atmosphere where people will wrestle with the truth that they've just been proclaimed to them, had proclaimed to them. How can they wrestle with that truth and then decide what God is calling them to do as a, on account of that? That's the point of the next 10 minutes of your life. So let's seize that opportunity. This is really important. God is calling you to be a missionary. And one of the things that he's calling you to do is to bring hope to your world. How are you going to do that? What is God calling you to do to do that very thing? So don't like just stand and start singing some, some sweet songs that are going to make you want to cry. That's great, but there's more to it. If this is ineffectual to you, you're not really paying attention. God is speaking to you. He's speaking to you. Hope is yours. Now go give it to somebody. What are you going to do about it? As Jesus entered in, our call is to enter in. Okay, now we can pray. Don't cruise control, please. God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he has entered into our worlds. Father, would you please, remind us when we're confused or that we're lied to, that you have brought to us a confident and joyful expectation. That you are good 
And you are holy. You are sovereign and worthy. And you're orchestrating. You're weaving events together to remind us of the hope that you've brought to us. God, now I pray that you would speak vividly and clearly and precisely to every one of us the call for us to go and be a missionary of hope. And God, God, make us uneasy, make us uncomfortable if we don't do as you're calling us to. God, I thank you for Jesus. Thank you for this season for us to stop and reflect. God, give us ears to hear what you're speaking to us. Thank you for Jesus. It's in his name that I pray. Amen.